Welcome to another edition of Dad Bod Rap Pod. Um, this is Nate LeBlanc. I'm joined this week by Damone Carter and David Ma, my co-hosts, and our guests, Uncommon NASA and Psycho Less of the Beat Nuts. Doing things a little bit differently this week. I'm actually in a freezing corner of the Denver airport recording this straight into the laptop. Um, enjoy these two interviews we put together for you. I'll be back at the end for a little bit of credits and such, but uh, yeah. No banter this week, just straight to the the meat of the interviews. Enjoy. Peace. Dad bod rap pod. We're back. Our t-shirt sale went so well. That we were able to fly in for today's program. So shout out to everybody that that bought the uh, inaugural uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Yes, LL Simon T. Um, we were able to get with with Dave Southwest Miles. Uh, <laughs> we were able to fly in a guest uh, who's been a fan collaborator of the program. We're we're happy to have him on, and he's actually here. In real, real life. Real life. Yeah. Real so life. I teleported. <laughs> <laughs> lightweight. JetBlue is lightweight teleportation. Yeah. But yeah. We got to get that <laughs> very, uh, very teleportation lightweight. budget. Yeah. <laughs> so we're for our next tea. Um, so, yeah, we want to welcome to the program Uncommon NASA. How's it going, man? What up, man? Not bad. Not yeah. bad. Here yeah. in, in sunny California. Yeah. Thanks That's for being right. on the program, man. Yeah, man. No problem. Living live the dream. Just to yeah, keep it real, uh, we, we actually don't have a. a fly out budget but i had to come out here you guys are gonna make me famous right <laughs> yeah. Like, this, yeah this is my whole trip I mean, the, whole, made. the whole album budget was spent coming to Santa well, Fe right well, now. you know what they say about exposure it's, <laughs> it's done so much for all of our careers so uh yeah thanks for coming out uh i know you're you're in town on, on unrelated business but made your way down here to really a, really boring business yes yes San Jose specializes in conventions for really boring business yes. but we are here in needle to the groove uh record shop in the back of the record shop i, I saw you shopping a little bit you, mm-hmm. you pick up some vinyl yeah i got a box Where? of 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 Reggae seven inches. Nice. Dope. Cost me way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I had to text my wife today, like, yo, I'm going to spend a lot of money. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to buy any records for a month and a half. And that may or may not be true. But right, right. Yeah, I'll try to make it true. Goals. You know? Goals. Yeah, Goals. Like, Goals. Yeah. That's dope. So, are you a big collector? Are you? Uh, of reggae. Of reggae. I mean, I'm a oh, collector weird. of other records, but I right. have all of those, or I've like bought them and sold them already you know like i I mean i have a huge progressive rock collection obviously a huge hip-hop collection i I grew up buying indie hip-hop records as they came out in new york from Mm. fat beats and final and and, uh, well footwork and all those other places okay right um so i have a big collection still of of mostly indie hip-hop and and golden era 12 inches like pretty dope. dope shit like i don't even really think about them because i've had them for right. 20 years but right. people come over and be like oh shit <laughs> right um, right so right now my shit is is reggae 45s because i dope. do um a live every other week um reggae dj show really so uh, oh shit you know i've graduated into like 
elder statesman, <laughs> b-boy, New York guy. Now I'm a D, I'm a, a reggae DJ. Yeah, so yeah, my, yeah. You know, no, no, Everyone no. graduates to that. Eventually. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> either, it's, it's a either rite of passage. Or... When you turn forty, you have to start <laughs> playing DJ, uh, playing reggae records. <laughs> it's <laughs> either either that yeah. or house in, in, in New York. <laughs> yes, for yes, sure. Yeah, Chicago is house, and New York is is reggae. Yeah. That's dope, yeah. man. Well, we're glad to have you out here. You've got a new record coming out called City as School. Um, got some dope features on there. Tell us a little bit about the record. Yeah, um, it is going to be out on Mad Bites Dog on Halloween. Um, it is not a scary album, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's easy for me to me and other people to just say Halloween. Keep it easy. Um, it's produced by Count Fifth. It's a it's an uncommon NASA and Count Fifth album. Um, I do all the the rapping and and, and writing, obviously, and and he did all the production. Nice. Um, and uh, as far as features, there's uh, Guilty Simpson, there's Sadat X, there's Tech from Smith and Wesson, there's Pat mm. Love, um, and uh, AWOL One, and uh, there's a bunch of homies uh, from Uncommon Projects too, like Duke Zero One and Short Fuse and Gaja and Carnage, and you know. Uh, but there's a couple solo tracks too, so it's a, it's a good mix. So City as School, kind of take us through what is what does the title mean? What is that a reference to? Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of the record deals with um, my upbringing in New York City mm. uh, from my late teens, high school years, into my early 20s. Okay. Um, there's some other, it goes in other directions too, but for the most part, that's the time period. And uh, when I was in high school, um, well, I was in a regular high school, but in New York and probably in other places too, there's a program called City as School, and basically they um, they they educate you by giving you a job. And uh, so um, I was part of an internship program my last year of senior year, and it got me into a, a recording studio, like mopping floors and doing dishes <laughs> and cleaning toilets <laughs> at 17 years old. Right. And that sort of got me involved in in engineering and the music business. I mean, that's what I wanted to do since I was like 16 right. was be involved in, in recording engineering and mixing records. So that year yeah, in between no. must've been hard having the dream and realizing it. I'm just kidding. Yeah, why, <laughs> why you were, why you were plunging a toilet? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, was it one of the bigger I was, studios? I was, it was a studio called TMF studios, um, which is not a studio you'll recognize the name of, but the guy who ran it is a guy named Mark Richardson, who I randomly like looked up a couple weeks ago and he worked on like, um, I think he worked on like, it's tricky. And he worked oh. on like mm. cars records and, uh, then you open up the studio, and I could say that I um, uh, I was there when Buffalo Daughter was recording. I was there when Larry Coriel was recording. Wow. I was there when Nusra Fatih Ali Khan was recording. Um, you know, of course, at 17. Fuck did I know about any of those. <laughs> right, 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 right. I'll tell you a quick – I'll try to make a quick side story that I, I typically find funny, but may or may not be that funny. Um, I, I was 17, and I was X. I didn't know shit. Right, you right, know, and right. I was asked to go and get Nusar Fatih Ali Khan a fruit salad, right? <laughs> so I go to the store, and it's you know one of those buffet places, and I put down a bed of lettuce, <laughs> and I put Good fruit start. on top of it because that's what I thought fruit, fruit salad, salad was. <laughs> I, the, dude. I was poor, like I don't know what the fuck a fruit salad is. I never had a fruit salad in my fucking life. And so I bring it back, and of course Nusar Fatih Ali Khan does not speak English. And I hand him this thing, and he just looks down at the salad, and he looks at me, 
and he kind of smirked and he just ate it. Oh, pretty obvious. Oh, he had no idea. Yeah. That I, I had no idea what a fruit salad was, and he's like, "This is fucking wow. idiot. Get him out of here." <laughs> um, but yeah, rest in peace. Sounds like he enjoyed his romaine and pineapple yeah. salad. <laughs> that's, that's the beginnings of yeah, exactly. I don't remember what fruits I put in there. Probably fucking watermelon and grapes because that's all I ate at the time too. Um, but yeah, that was that's the, the genesis of the record. Is, is a uh, lot of that time period of okay. like learning about yourself um, as. I say on the record uh, in one of the skits like I'm from Staten Island so like I'm from New York City but I'm also sort of in the shadow of New York City sure, sure. and um, you know being able to work in the city at 17 and then keep working in the city you know for a number of years okay. to this day um, that's so if that, if that doesn't happen you're a contractor you're just on Staten Island <laughs> as a contractor I, yeah I'm, I'm probably like uh, a fireman or some shit you know? I'm like <laughs> Some shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, like, who knows? Right, who right, knows? right. If right, I didn't right. have music, right. you know, yes. Staten Island is not a cultural place, so okay. I, right. I could be doing something really boring. Well, we, we as kind of Californians, right, We I think we learned a lot about Staten Island through the Wu-Tang of documentary. Course, of course. And being like, y'all was in a park? Right. Like, y'all, right. Had, like, y'all had woods and shit? Like, that was, <laughs> that was revelatory right. to us. Um, so, but you've been in the scene forever. You kind of talked about starting in, uh, in the studio environment. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of transfer to say, I'm going to be an artist and I'm putting out my own stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think I was, well, I, I, I know I was always doing it. You know, it was always right. something that was happening in parallel, but, um, I, I, I probably wasn't good enough to put that much focus into Mm. the art part of it yet i needed things i had to learn you know and and like being in the studio even before i was at jux like when i was at ozone i was doing sessions like every other night it was like saul williams mike ladd anti-pop consortium company flow um mr liff you know it goes on rob sonic like it just goes on and on Mm -hmm. and like you know being around those people kind of quietly you know it definitely helps your learning curve and you you right. have uh you know you're able to kind of skip a couple spaces sure if if i was like from a smaller city and you're around smaller talent you know obviously you don't step up as fast right. so right. you know i was able to learn a lot and and of course i got good at engineering too which helped right. pay the bills but <laughs> you know it's a scramble you know i mean you know how it is when you're young i mean you have to scramble to get some money right. and mm-hmm. like for me the engineering thing was was where I got the money to to actually rent an apartment, you know, mm-hmm. like, and so um, I wasn't going to do that from the art. And so, like, you know, it, it's weird, like, you know, music from from money kind of stunts you in a lot of ways because um, some guys just didn't give a fuck. And so they just went for it younger yeah. than I did. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, I, I guess I just had a little bit too much responsibility to me too <laughs> young. So I didn't really come back to the art until, you know, my mid to late 20s. And then uh, I did some stuff with a group called The Presence, and then, you know, by my 30s, I had gone solo, and, and, you know, people started paying attention to me when I hit 35, (laughs) 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 you know, musically anyway, you know. Hey, that's good, though. That's our aesthetic. Um, Can we go back a little bit? I was, like, obsessed with Ozone Records and, like, with Amici as, like, the curator of that kind of... um, group of talented people can yeah, you man. just talk a little bit about that time and like like maybe a little bit about some of the lesser known stuff like sonic sum mm-hmm. or mike ladd and like where that yeah. fit into the hip-hop landscape of the time so i remember when i showed up to ozone for my interview i was 19 
and they were just all these artsy people walking around and um you know they had like a big mural like on the whole house of the whole the whole side of the wall was like this huge graffiti mural and i just remember thinking this is like fucking fame or what like (laughs) what the fuck is going on this is so ill and like I got hired to intern and then I started like assistant engineer and I got paid a little tiny bit of money. And, you know, like it was it was enough. Like, well, I was still living at home. Like I was with my wife, but we weren't married. And um, and I was still living at home technically. So I didn't need a lot of money and I was still learning. But um, being around that whole group um, of people was interesting. I remember. um, So Vasos kind of taught me how to engineer during that time period. And he mixed most of if not all of Funk Crusher Plus and that was of course done by the time I got there. So when I got there, Little Johnny had just been finished being mixed. Mm. Like so um I remember he he put me in the studio like to learn the sound by letting me listen to Little Johnny from the hospital before it came out. Wow. And of course being a geek like company flow <laughs> fan at nineteen I was like, whoa I just remember hearing Worker Ant Uprise for the first time and just having my fucking brain explode like i was just like this is crazy and then there were other times where he would he you know there are other times where i had exposure to music that i wasn't familiar with so i remember hearing um i always forget the real name of this song but there's a song from mike ladd it goes chula 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 it's on um welcome to the after future Mm -hmm. and uh i just remember hearing that song and thinking who the fuck is this guy and then like there was like sonic sum and Mm. uh, i knew who mr lift was because i was in the you know, I was already in the Fat Beats by vinyl phase, right. but uh, right. but I didn't know that he had gotten down with L yet. You know, right, like I right. heard a rise for the first time in the studio. So all that stuff was happening. And um, a little known thing about Ozone in that, in that time was um, it was a collaboration of four people. So there was Mark, who basically was like the webmaster at a time in like 1999 when that was like... And he was doing all that. And then there was Vasos, who was the engineer. And there was Amici, who was the manager of basically all the hip-hop or you know that, that sort of talent. And then there was another guy named Brett who managed pop artists. And so I would be exposed to pop music in the same studio. Like I would do a session with Mike Ladd, and then the next day I'd be recording like pop music, like, like guitar pop. And like... Um, a funny thing that got recorded there that got some noise is there was a song called David Duchovny. Um, and it was all about David Duchovny and like he got some run and um, apparently it was like made for his birthday. It was really weird. If you look it up, you'll find it like David Duchovny song. Okay. I won't put the name. Why do of the I think there's a ukulele there. on it? But, uh, there, there could be, yeah. but I was, uh, uh peak x-files i guess i don't know okay but, right. uh, you know yeah. right yeah um but yeah that was ozone and that was that scene that's cool yeah. thank you yeah that's okay. that's dope so kind of take us a little bit more forward from there so you you've obviously been exposed to some talent you got some ideas about doing your own stuff like how when when did you transition into like all right i'm here now and i'm doing all of my indie trickery that's kind of how right. i know of you yeah, like yeah. this dude's doing all the indie <laughs> trickery. i see him on i've Twitter. had a lot of time yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I do a little bit of everything. Um, and the reason I do is cause I spent certain amounts of time on like mostly on one thing. So like I mm. spent chunks of time being a mix engineer and chunks mm-hmm. of time producing and chunks of time rapping and chunks of time touring, just and, kind of, you know, right. and in then, succession. you know, at the end you, you put it all together and all of a right. sudden you're a fucking Renaissance man or some shit. Right. And right. like, 
I guess to answer your question, like, um, I was mixing a lot at, at Jux, obviously, and I, I kind of like, we'd split my productions in, and there's like the Woke single is, is my group's thing that came out on Def Jux back then. It's the, the most little heard of and, and rarest single to ever come out on Jux, but it was on vinyl. Dope, um, dope. And, um, you know, eventually, you, you know, that label did a lot of things right, and... Uh, but you you definitely come away when you when you're sort of a person with aspirations you know you you want to do it your way yeah. too you yeah. know and and it it did kind of inspire me at that time to do my own label and i, I started on common records and that label mm. still exists to this day even though this record's out on man bites dog um that i'm promoting right now but um that sort of really i guess triggered me into it and then once i had my own label you know i was kind of ahead of the curve and and i started the label in 04 Mm -hmm. and I was a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of like understanding how important digital was going to be yeah and one I was smart to think that but also I had to think that because I did not have the money to press up <laughs> the level of vinyl that was being pressed up at that time I wasn't right. stupid right so um those two things kind of drove me into like a, a digital distribution deal by 06 which was early for yeah. that too yeah and um you know I, I just signed all the artists that I thought were dope and I I you know, had like this progressive hip hop term that I don't particularly use anymore. But like at the time, like that was my stamp. And, right. and I, I signed people that had those traits that were being ignored. And, you know, remember the late 2000s was very Woo. like blog rappy, you know, right. let's have an underground mm -hmm. party kind of scene. And so like there wasn't yeah. a lot of audience until Twitter took hold um, for sort of that progressive stuff that we were talking about with Ozone, you know, that kind of came full circle by... 11 12 13 Whew. um and then i was just at twitter at the right time yeah. where like i got a little bit of the crosswinds of that attention mm. and um you know but that's sort of how i got here i guess you know okay do you consider yourself more of like a rapper or producer i know you're you mentioned you know being a jack of all trades a renaissance mm. man you know your best foot forward which one is that you know honestly i think my best foot forward and it sort of answers it is is as a writer Mm, you mm, know, like okay. when, when I, I'm most comfortable and most happy writing lyrics and then kicking them and getting them, you know, the way that I want them to sound. And part of that is being a producer, you sure. know, not a beat maker part, but, but right. part of producing right. myself and getting the songs concepted and the albums themed. You know, all mm. my albums have some theme that ties the stuff together. And I, I, right. I do that on purpose, you know, and that is what I'm most comfortable with. Mm. Uh, of the two choices, I would probably say rapper. But I, I've produced for a long time, too, right. and it's hard for me to, you know, be like, I'm not going to dismiss all the beats I made. Sure, you know what I mean? Sure, so it's sure, like, sure. It's, it, it is a split kind of thing. Okay. But, uh, but I think, you know, the amount of hours I put in the car, I guess I should probably say rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's paying to come see me make a beat. So, you know. True that. If you can help us understand kind of this as, from a real life perspective, living in New York, like I, I feel like, and we have kind of focused a lot on um, – New York rap like Griselda and then on the other end of the spectrum kind of the Billy Woods elucid um, kind of scene it just seems like there's a lot of vital rap in New York right now is that an online phenomenon or is that like something you can feel like right. are Isn't people pumping Benny in like <laughs> right. when you go right. to the, the bagel streets? shop right. <laughs> is Benny the butcher slapping it right um, no <laughs> um, I know I, I, I think Griselda to some degree there's probably people taking notice in New York mm. a lot more. But in terms of 
sort of like the scene I come from or peers of mine, uh, you know, I don't think any of them would be like, "Yeah, man, I'm hitting in New York." I, <laughs> no, I just right. don't. I don't. Yeah, don't I don't think it. anyone is that delusional. Mm, like, okay. uh, it's just New York is a huge city. Um, until recently, New York, you know, the mainstream New York random people would listen to music from anywhere, and uh, some people that, would say that it's was healthy. My, some people that was, would say it's not healthy. That was healthy. my take right. yeah. of like, oh, yeah. I'm listening to Kendrick Lamar in the bodega. Yeah. Like, I'm, and, yeah. and it's and it's you know, I live. On the North Shore of Staten Island, so like I'm in I'm in the St. George area, and so you still get people pumping Wu Tang, mm. like, okay. which is dope. Okay, you know, mm. you that's still a cultural. Wow. You still see Touch slit wallabies in the street. You still <laughs> okay. see fucking, you know, you still hear that. Hear a lot of Red Man, you know, okay. shit like that. Dope. And okay. um, and I do hear a lot of like sometimes I hear something in the street, especially in my neighborhood, like where I'm like, oh, this sounds like a New York joint, but I don't know. This is not classic, you know. Okay. I mean, I don't know what okay. this is, but it sounds like actual. Hip hop, traditional hip hop music. Yeah. Um. So it's there, but you know, I mean, New York is—it's so sparse and it's so spread out. There's no one scene. That predominates. Obviously, Griselda's from Buffalo, so it's not like they're like in New York all the time. Like they just rep that sound, and and you know, it's a New York state, so you know. And um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't. I also might be the wrong person to ask. It's not like I'm going to fucking shows anymore. Right. Fuck that. But that's part of like, you know what I mean? Welcome like that's to our of, aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've fallen into all the cliches, you know, like I, I DJ reggae music. I don't go to shows anymore. I question whether I want to make more albums. You know, okay. I don't, I don't, okay. I, I question whether I should tour anymore. Like okay. I've fallen into all those tropes that five years ago I was like, fuck that. Maybe yeah. except for the reggae thing. But yeah. like, you know, now it's like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, mm, and, and now you're here on Dead Bottom Rap. Yeah, and that's how <laughs> yeah. I ended up here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are rest haven for those for those feelings. Um, so just to make sure folks know, City Ass School coming out on Halloween, mm-hmm. right? TP yeah. somebody's house and then <laughs> go. Yeah, just blast that shit while you're while, while you're, you're throwing t- eggs yeah. at city buses. It's perfect soundtrack. <laughs> that's what uh, I used to do. The, see, there you go. So you've got your your plan is there. Is there any other projects, things that we should be on the lookout for down the line with, with Nessa? Yeah, I mean there there'll be a vi- the video for the song with Sadat and Awol is going to be out probably by the time this airs. Sadat and Awol on the same joint. Yeah, Damn. man. Ooh, that's a yeah. wild vocal. Yeah, dope, man. Dope. Yeah. That's wow. what I was saying to Nate when they when they put it together. Wow. I was kind of like, "Damn, you looking for all the fucking off-kilter rappers from, <laughs> from three different coast generations." To coast, right? <laughs> but he was like, "No, it's about your voices." I was like, oh, what the "Okay. It, it's um, that, that track's but, really good. The yeah. album's really good and the intro is really beautifully written. I just wanted cool, to tell thank you, you while you were here yeah. i had a chance to listen to Thank it you. today and it's like um i don't know if you listen to this but um benny and 38 spesh have this mixtape called stabbed and shot uh-huh. and it also has this really beautiful <laughs> mm-hmm. written intro that dave and i are obsessed with and it actually reminded me of it so if you get a chance to listen to that yeah. i think you'll hear what i'm saying it's kind yeah. of like it's a scene setting and it, it's not something that people take the time to do anymore yeah, and mm-hmm. i appreciated it mm-hmm. I thought, well, I, you're, you. you're drawing us into the world in like a way that was very writerly and very like well done and not cliche yeah, word. Thank you, man. Yeah, sure. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. So, Uncommon Asa, want to thank you for coming on the program. Uh, enjoy your time in San Jose. Is Wax Wednesdays tomorrow? No. No. Not Our, ours. ours. Not ours. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, no. Yeah, so, then we can't, we can't endorse <laughs> it. So, if, if by chance something interesting happens on a random, we will let you know. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, definitely enjoy your time here, and thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, man. Word up. Thank you. Thank you all. 
Dad Bod Rap Pod. Um, welcome to the program. We are here with Psycho Less of the Beat of the Beat Nuts. What's up? What's good? What's, what's up, good? man? Um, you know, I, I got a couple quick questions, um, mostly pertaining to your history. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in Jackson Heights? Ah, oh, man, growing up in Jackson Heights was, you know, it was like pure hip hop at its at its rawness. You know, it was just like my neighborhood was flooded with like DJs and break dancers and graffiti writers and and stick up kids and all kind of people. So, you know, it just all created to, that was like hip hop to us, you know? So like, at what point did you decide to, you know, start digging for records and uh, getting, getting into hip hop and being a participant yourself? Yeah. Uh, like around, you know, when I was like 14, 15 years old, okay. that's when I, I started, I started collecting vinyl and and by the time I was I was like sixteen, I got my my first job at at a record store. Okay, okay. What was that experience like? And sort of what did that teach you? Um, you know, in terms of gathering. I mean, I, to me, that was the best job ever because I was getting my records half price. So <laughs> that was that, that meant everything to me. Like, I I would I used to go to school with like when you know with like three bucks and come home with with records and, and, and not even eat lunch or nothing. So right on, right on. Um, you know, I want to move uh, a little bit forward. Um, I've read that Q-tip considers you guys uh, part of native tongues and, you know, and sort of the history behind that. Can you talk a bit about your relationship with uh, tip and, and how you guys met? Yeah. I mean, well, actually we, 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 you know, we started off with, with Jungle Brothers, you know. Mm. Juju had ran into into Africa, and, and, and we, you know, we we would go to the to the studio and hang out with Jungle Brothers and all that. And then, you know, then we started meeting the the tribe and, and those people, you know, De La Soul and all, all of them, you know. Were you already fans of their music beforehand? I mean, at the time when 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 we first met them, they didn't they didn't really have too many records out. There was mm. we was there. Was, I was I was fans of their promos that that Red Alert was playing on mm. the radio. Okay, you know because Jungle Brothers Jungle Brothers was out. Like Q Tip wasn't even out yet. Tribe wasn't out yet. So I was just you know I know I know I heard of them through demo like like promo radio promos and stuff. Okay. Okay. Can you um, walk us through sort of uh, your first experience? You know the the um, time when you worked with Stereo MCs. Ah, uh, Stereo MCs! Wow, that was a while ago. Uh, <laughs> wow, I don't. I could barely remember that stuff. But um, hey, I don't even remember too much. But um, <laughs> it's like a blur. It's like a blur. You know. All right. Do you think that uh, the beat nuts are like properly rated or properly respected by uh, the culture at this point? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, when when we first, I, we always felt, you know, when we first came out, being being Latino, and you know that that people always slept on us, or or they would they was like doubting us all the time. So it's like we always had to keep coming back harder and harder. So actually you know that it helped it helped us you know mm -hmm. 
after a while, it's like I used to hear a lot of lot of lot of things through the grapevine. So I was like, oh yeah, okay, okay. So hold this one, boom, and we just keep banging them, banging them. So so finally, you know, they people gave in. I was like, yo, beat nuts is the shit. That's it. <laughs> like, and really, that that's what you know. Back in the days, that's what the whole game was about. Like, we just want to out. We want to be be better than everybody. Like it wasn't a Latino thing. It was I want to beat everybody. I want to just smash blacks, whites, whatever, <laughs> Indians, Chinese, whatever. I just want to smash everybody. You know, with with the sounds that we got. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were lucky enough to talk to Cool Keith a little bit earlier today, and he mentioned that you guys have a project coming up. Can you talk to us a little bit about the process of working with the legend Cool Keith? Word, word, word. Cool Keith is, you know, I'm a big fan of Ultramagnetic and, and you know, TR, Sent G. So, you know, to do an album with him was it was crazy, you know, just to be in the studio working with him and seeing his the process of how he he delivers these songs and shit so you know i never seen nobody work you know like like he does like and and you know just lay shit down and and it's a hit like it's like magic and shit was was a lot of that project um were you guys in the studio together or were you guys sending each other tracks yeah we was in the studio together okay okay how what's the process like working with keith in the studio uh well we we went in the studio and I would play on beats. As soon as he likes a beat, the he'll tell the engineer, "Yo, loop that beat," and he'll just he'll have a song already in mind and he'll dig through all his pages of he'll have like a hundred pages in his in his knapsack, <laughs> and he'll just pull out like a page and 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 each page or two pages is a song. It's like a different song and and it has a hook and it has everything on it already. So. He already has a lot of songs. He's he's just he's just waiting to hear the right beat to like match match his songs. So mm. he'll be like, "Oh, I got something for that. I got something for that." Mm. You know? Okay. When you were prepping to do this, did you like have an approach for what kind of beats you wanted to use? Were you like, "Oh, Cool Keith is bugged out. I'm going to bring the weird shit," or like, did you have a yeah. sense of nah, what I, you wanted to do? Actually, actually, when we talked about it, the first thing Cool Keith told me, he was like, "Yo." I don't want no no '90s boom bap shit, right? Mm. You know, so I I told him perfect because the shit I'm 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 flipping now it's like it's not even boom bap or it's not it's not even like you know it's like real futuristic shit and that 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 you know so it was perfect you know yeah because I was already on that mind path like I'm you know. It's like I could do boom bap. I've been doing that forever, so to me, it's more of a challenge to to, to you know be a little more more out, out the box, you know. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your secrets for the gearheads that are listening, uh, what are you using these days? Uh, for I mean, I'm using a lot of things, but um, I'm definitely you know keeping. I, I still mess with a lot of analog stuff. But I also like playing with uh, with a lot of softwares. You know, I was messing around with the the MP Studio, MPC Studio. Mm-hmm. Also, also like Reason. Have a lot, a couple of like this. Uh, if you listen to that album, like I could, I could mention like a whole every track is like a from a different program. You know, mm. interesting. Mm. 
Um, just a yeah, little, you know, just a little like, bit. I got analog tracks. Yeah, I got software tracks. So, right on. Um, you know, uh, since we're on topic of your production, um, talk a bit about you know the process of how you make a beat. Do you just find a sample and put everything around it? Um, do you program the drums? What's step one when you walk into the studio? Uh, well, to me, um, it depends, man. Like I, I could hear a groove or something that I I, I like, and it, that could that could motivate me to you know to to do something or some hard drums. You know, the last time I was at a record store, I came back with both. I found drums and some some music, mm. and uh, you know and 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 I'll you know I'll bring it home and I'll just let it sit there because I don't like to like just you know I like to it, like I like to be in the mood to to you know so I'll just you know whenever I'm in the mood boom I'll turn on my equipment and, and start playing around with stuff I don't just get home and start you know chopping away right right how how long does it take you from start to finish to complete a beat that you're happy with. Ah, you never know. A couple of hours, I could flip maybe two, three beats. Okay, okay. Because I, I, I like, I, I like, you know, I do, I do the, I like to make a beat, and it'll be like the skeleton, mm -hmm. and if you know, but it's good enough to to write to and to get and for me to present to 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 artists. If they like it, then I'll start slapping some meat on the bones, you know. <laughs> but 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 basically, I'll do the skeleton, and, and you could get an idea of you know. Like that's how we did the cool key. If he likes, he liked the beat. Boom! We'll just rhyme. We'll two track it, rhyme to it, and and I'll just come back later and lay the, the tracks and lay other things on it. Hmm. Like he he like we was in the studio like maybe two weeks with him dropping lyrics, and then the the next two weeks it was just me mixing. So he wasn't even there for the mix project. He doesn't want to even hear that. He's like, <laughs> I just want to hear the, the end product, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. So so that's cool. I was just me and the engineer in there just chopping shit up, twisting things around. And, Dope. You know? Um, are you guys still doing anything as Beat Nuts, or is that kind of like project on hold now? Uh, I mean... Beating us is like we we on the road doing a lot of lot of touring and stuff, but um like I'm I'm personally it's like I'm you know like busy doing production for people and working on other things and like currently in the middle of like moving and and, and a lot of other things so it's like you know but uh, a lot of people you know are still asking me about lick nuts and <laughs> so yeah I'm you know it's it's it's, it's it's pretty much done. We just got it. I'm going to get out there and we're going to start mixing things. And, you know, um, you know, um, the, re the reason that that project never came out is because we have, we have a lot of songs done, but like there's songs where it's like one verse got or, it, or got verse it. and a half. And, you know, so it's, it's not complete. You know? Yeah. And that's of course a, that, a collaboration with the alcoholics, right? Yeah. Alcoholics. Yeah. Lick nuts. <laughs> um you've worked with so many um tremendous MCs through the years. Um you know, it's a long list. Um who stands out that you've worked with? An MC that's just consistently blows you away. Oh uh, man, definitely, you know, like most deaf. Mm. He definitely blessed blessed a couple of my beats, you know, Big Pun, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Biz Markies was, was <laughs> fun to work with. Uh, Greg Nice, he, you know, he worked with us so much. We used to call him the third member of, of Beat Nuts, <laughs> you know, so. So, yeah, man, I mean, you know, everybody has their, their, their thing that, I, you know, that I like that they bring to the table. Word, word. Um, so, um, when a, when Beat Nuts do a show these days, like, do you guys, like, still like do you bring someone to kind of like fill in different verses from different people or do you guys just do it kind of straight with you guys doing your parts or how how does that work since you have so many collaborations yeah uh i mean we'll we'll just we'll do the the parts of everybody you know like when we do the fat man scoop song I, like i'll be doing the hook yeah so mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just you know or the greg nice hooks and we'll just do them. oh Oh, turn it out. Oh, you know? Yeah. Like, and, you know, we can handle it. You know, it's not too much. Um, Right on, man. Right on. You know, looking back at your long discography, um, you guys have had so many legendary beats. Um, Which stand out to you? Which were some of your personal favorites? Wow. Um, I mean, shit. Uh, I would say one of my favorite beats because I, I got it from my my mom's crates. It was mm-hmm. like, and it's and it's an incredible beat that to this day I got some of the biggest beat beat people asking me what that beat is, and I'll just ignore them like I didn't hear them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um super supreme. Okay. From from Stone Crazy, you know. So okay, word word. Just well, a lot of things, you know. Um, is there anything else you're currently working on um, that you're excited about that's new that's about to be out that you'd like to let our listeners know of? I mean, I got a, a, I'm working on a new project right now, but uh, you know I don't really talk talk to people a lot, a lot about it because I'm just like that. I don't like to talk too much. But this this is gonna be a, a monster. Okay, I'll okay. tell you. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. It's def- it's somebody from the West Coast. Okay. And, you know, and I'm from the East Coast, so it's going to be East Coast, West Coast. Mm, mm. All right. So, All right. Yeah. Well, there it is. There it is. Um, Psycho <laughs> Less of the Beat Nuts. Um, thank you again for your time, man. Long, awesome career. Looking forward to what else you're doing. No doubt, brothers. Thank you. So that was our show for this week. Huge shouts, as always, to Dave and Damone for holding it down. Um, check out our article on Metroactive.com. We were in the local newspaper this week. Um, just search Metroactive Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, huge thanks to Uncommon NASA for taking time out of his busy schedule on his West Coast visit to visit us in studio. And to Psycho Less of the Beat Nuts, uh, such a great producer. Interesting cat. Um, the beats for this week's show were provided by a friend of the program, Nick Liao. Um, they just fit right in with exactly what we were doing. So, Nick, thank you for sending in those beats and for everything else you've done for the show. Um, we really appreciate your support and consider you a true friend of the program. Peace, everybody. We'll be back next week with a really exciting episode with another in-studio guest. I won't spoil it, but uh, let's just say if you've been following along, it's a big one for us. All right. Be well.